We're back with another ARM Viewpoints podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something that plays more of a role in everyone's daily lives than perhaps they realize, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Joining us to talk about these technologies and the role that specialized processing has to play in their growth is an old friend of this podcast, Dennis Lodick. Dennis is Vice President of Marketing at ARM. He has more than two decades of experience in the machine learning, AI, mobile, automotive, and consumer electronics industries. His leadership experience at ARM has included roles within the ML Group and ARM's GPU business. Dennis is also known for his broad understanding of customers' needs in bringing new technology and exciting use cases to market as successful products. Welcome back, Dennis. Great. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. When we last spoke, you talked about ARM's background and role in machine learning and artificial intelligence, and whether you believed the hype cycle was over. So I suppose a good question to kick us off would be to ask, what's happened in the last year? What does the landscape look like now? Yeah, that's quite a, quite an interesting question. I mean, it's fair to say the, the area of AI continues to be quite an exciting area, quite dynamic. A lot of experimentation and frontiers still being pushed. I think probably that the hype cycle question is an interesting one to focus on. You know, I think a, a lot of people last few years have been asking, you know, are we riding out a traditional hype cycle in the AI technology? And in many ways we are, but one of the, the strange things or more, more interesting things I've seen is that we haven't really gone through what I would refer to as a trough cycle. Um, so, you know, to look at that more, it might be helpful to kind of split it into the technology and the applications. From a technology perspective, you know, I think what, what was referred to as a hype cycle uh, initially was actually just the unknown. Uh, if you look back a few years ago, the, you know, the, the, the industry was still trying to understand this new capability. You suddenly had an ability to, to generate almost, you know, approximate almost a universal function. And we didn't know what that meant. We didn't necessarily even know why it worked. Um, and we were, certainly didn't know what it was capable what it was capable of. So I think that's kind of settled down. I wouldn't call it a trough, uh, but I think it, it's it's calmed down. The, the industry now understands it more. We can dimension it more. We understand the capabilities and why and how we can, you know, where we can possibly go with it. Um, but what we haven't seen, in, in my mind at least, is any slowdown in the applications. You know, we, we find more and more capabilities, more and more uh, novel ways of approaching or using this tool. Um, and, you know, in a world where there's huge amounts of data, uh, we can suddenly bring value and use to all of that, uh, as well as do lots of things that we couldn't do before. So I think that's, that's quite exciting. And we, you know, that continues just to go from, from strength to strength. So do you see it revolutionizing different industries? You know, I see AI kind of sort of revolutionizing almost every industry. I mean, some of them that I'm really excited about our energy conservation uh, and medicine. Everything from devices that help us do uh, better medical diagnosis through to macro level predictions through to even vaccine development. You know, on top of medicine, there's the, the energy. We all know that we've got issues with uh, needing to be more uh, energy conservative in, in the way we approach things. AI can be, bring a lot of help to this. You know, there's a lot of instances where AI is making things better. There's a report I read the other day from IDC where they were talking about the industrial and commercial sectors only. Uh, and they predicted that using data and analytics, which is essentially AI, they expected that there would be a 3% reduction in emissions by just from the industrial and con uh, commercial sectors by 2024. Now, you might think 3% is not a, a huge number in its own, but this is at a global scale. Um, and if you think about it that way, I, th I think it's something like the equivalent of getting 30 million cars off the road. 
And that's just in the next couple of years. And that's just looking at one sliver of the, the segment. So that's, that's huge. And I, the other thing I think is quite interesting too is not only will it allow companies to, to do their part in terms of bringing down emissions and, and bringing up conservation, but it will allow them to do it in a way that will actually allow them to make money. Uh, in many cases. So, you know, that's kind of a win-win for everybody. Um, and again, we don't really know, you know, where the end of this capability is. I hear every day or every you know, week about a new application uh, for AI that's that's helping with the planet or medicine or, or healthcare. Data centers is another good example. You know, data centers are, are growing and becoming a, a significant footprint in the world and energy costs, electricity costs are some of the highest uh, operating costs. And AI, again, we're seeing AI be used uh, in a multitude of axes to try to make this uh, more efficient. So if you look at companies like Google and, and other people that work on a hyperscale, you know, we see them using AI and other rele- relevant software to look at distributing workloads both in time and in location so that they can happen much more efficiently and reduce the overall footprint. So what common themes are you seeing? You know, we're seeing it go everywhere. I think one of the telltale signs for me is what uh, is our partners. So what I've noticed over the last year in particular is a lot of our partners aren't necessarily referring to AI so much. They're now referring to the use cases, the things you can do with it. Uh, so that's it. I think for me, that's a good sign that things are starting to normalize. We're starting to see this as a tool rather than a, a mysterious AI ubiquitous term. Uh, people are starting to see the utility and the specialization of it. You know, I think one of the unique aspects of AI versus technology waves we've had in the past is it affects everything vertically as well. Uh, so it's not just about a new capability in devices. You know, we are seeing AI go across all the devices, but not only that, but they can be used at a macro level. You're looking across all of these devices, you know, the world's becoming a, a massively distributed compute world, and you can use AI at everywhere from that very macro level down to the micro level. So it, it's, it's pretty exciting, and it continues to, continues to move at a pace. Dennis, you referenced distributed compute just now. Can you describe how ARM enables specialized processing and design flexibility to enable teams to put the right compute at the right points from cloud to endpoint? Yeah, that's it's a good point, actually. I mean, distributed compute is something we're seeing more and more of. Um, and alongside that, you need a, a different range of, of capabilities. I think this is something we're seeing generally in computing, but um, it, we've seen it very acutely in the AI space. Um, you know, when I joined the AI aspects arm, one of the biggest things we needed to, to deal with was the misnomer that to do any sort of AI, you needed to have a specialist processor. And for any company that's focused on doing efficient compute, like most ARM-based uh, devices are, uh, that's simply not true. From our perspective, the, everything can run on a CPU. The CPU is the, the universal tool. All software runs on that. It only makes sense to go to kind of dedicated hardware where you need uh, very high performance, where if, you know ultra-efficiency is really important. The, that comes with a, a certain amount of costs as well in terms of silicon area and complexity. Not only AI, for any any type of processing, moving to additional dedicated hardware only makes sense where that's necessary, where it's really justified by the, the needs. As I said, you know, from what we see, a lot of AI actually runs on, on CPUs, and that's kind of the major focus for us in terms of our AI capabilities. We need to make sure that that CPU is as capable as possible. I mean, you can look at it just in terms of process of elimination. So, Say smartphones. So smartphones is a big area for ARM. It's one of the you know, most popular devices in the market. In most phones today, smartphones have some sort of AI capability. And but if you look at those in terms of the hardware, only we we estimate less than twenty percent have a dedicated AI processor. 
So for that that vast majority of the devices, although they're still realizing the the the, the possibilities of AI around cameras, voice, and so forth, but they're running that on the CPU. So for about 4 billion people, they're using AI today on an ARM CPU. So, you know, that's where we got to need to focus to start with. You're drawing back a bit more from an ARM perspective. What we're seeing is a, a couple of different dynamics. So, uh, you know, everyone's kind of talked about the fact that Moore's Law is slowing down. You can, you can argue about how much, but generally speaking, we're not seeing the same kind of uh, linear progress that we saw. In parallel with that, what we're seeing is a continued demand for more complex workloads. So we're seeing people want to run more sophisticated capabilities and compute. AIs just sends things through the roof. That, in addition to a vast range of devices that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing everything now from a, a, a sensor through to, to supercomputers, which is just a range we've never seen in history before. So given this range and these, these demands, we've really seen what we call specialized processing or specialized computing. And the concept behind this is that uh, you need to you need to more closely tailor what you de uh, design to match what you're trying to do. You know, you can't come at com uh, devices today with a one-size-fits-all solution. So we're seeing that the part of the reason that the ARM ecosystem's uh, been so popular and continues to, to, to move into more and more markets and become popular in those markets is because it allows you to specialize. It allows you to get the maximum capability out of the least amount of cost and power. And, you know, from an ARM perspective, we've got a huge range of, of devices we need to try to service. As I said, everything from sensors that run on a coin cell battery for years through to uh, devices we have around us in our homes, through to phones, cars, and up into uh, supercomputers. You know, we're constantly looking at how we can improve our CPUs, our GPUs. We also have a, a range of specialized processors dedicated to ML. And we have a long history on all of these devices, you know, well over five years to 10 years of improvements in each of those quite significant ones, you know, 10X type improvements, generation on generation. We work on giving people the tools to develop what they need to. All of our processors tend to be configurable. So you can, you know, some devices we see a tiny minuscule CPU in it. Others will see eight very large cores. Uh, in addition to that, we spend a huge amount of investment on the software and tools. You know, one thing at ARM that we're very aware of is the, 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 the importance of ecosystems. So, you know, in modern semiconductors, it's, they're very complex. And so we try to make sure that everybody has all the tools that they need to be able to create, you know, a right-size type compute element. From our perspective, one common theme that we're seeing is across every industry, everything's getting smarter. There's more demands for compute. There's more demands for AI capabilities we're seeing. You know, devices that already use AI want more. Devices that didn't use AI are, are now using it. You know, people are putting AI as standard into sensors. In addition to that, I think, you know, one of the things I really like about working in ARM is ARM has always been an open platform. We make sure that, you know, ARM doesn't do things exclusively. We make sure that the ARM platform works with people's processors. You know, if they want to use a dedicated AI processor of their own, we make sure that that's really easy and it's going to work well for you. So... You know, from our standpoint, it's a wide range of processors uh, with a huge amount of flexibility and the software and the tools and the ecosystem to make that easy. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of what's made ARM successful. That's kind of what we've been doing since day one. And it just becomes more and more important as time goes on. So if you look at the history of computing, um, the one thing that comes out, and, and you mentioned this earlier, is the fact that the full potential of a technology like AI will only be achieved with the support of a strong ecosystem of companies. So maybe you can give a bit more detail on what this means and why it's important. Yeah, ecosystems are, are definitely the, the way of the today and the future. I mean, if you look at the technology people produce today, it's incredibly complicated. 
Um, you know, the, the, the hardware is incredibly complicated. The software is incredibly complicated because the capabilities that people are, are expecting continue to go up. Um, and so, you know, innovation continues to, if anything, accelerate. It's increasingly difficult for companies to be able to do the entire thing. They need to be able to specialize. What, you know, what is it, what component can we really focus on bringing to that, to that vertical technology stack um, that's going to make us stand out? So I think the days of, of being able to create a complex device on your own are, are long past us. Uh, and AI is really, really proven that, you know, there's, it's very difficult for a company to be really great at making semiconductors, really great at software, really great at AI algorithms. Uh, and not only that, AI is kind of propagating across more and more use cases, you know, and those are specializing. We're seeing people specialize in particular use case areas for AI. So again, you know, from an ARM perspective, this has kind of been how we've done business since the beginning and why we've become successful. We focus on making sure we're an open platform. And we have a, a huge amount of value and, and respect for the ecosystem around us. And in many ways, we know that's a lot of the value we bring to our customers. So we do a lot to nurture the ecosystem and the developer community and make sure that their experiences with ARM are going to be the best that they can be uh, and that everybody feels they've got a right to play uh, and that everyone can, can build value on top of a, an ARM platform. So we nurture relationships up and down the, the technology stack. Not only is that ecosystem necessary to bring devices together, but there's a huge amount of knowledge and information to be had by understanding the different layers of the technology stack. Um, and, and so, you know, this approach that's made ARM successful around an ecosystem, again, that's something we've brought into the AI space as well. We've got growing range of partners uh, that we're working with around the AI, looking to understand the, the valuable inf information they can bring, but also making sure they can be successful and, and, and build value on top of an ARM platform uh, and build a successful business out of it. Now, you reminded me when we spoke last time that you gave a great example of AI in action uh, with a company that produced an energy efficient refrigerator system. Over the last year, there must have been many other exciting use cases of AI that you've come across. Are you able to share any? And what areas have you seen mature with their AI progress since we spoke last year? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a little bit about this earlier on, but the the areas of innovation and the improvements that people are seeing in, with AI is just incredible. Uh, and there seems to be no end to it. If anything, it's accelerating. You know, I'm really excited about some of the benefits that we're seeing in uh, energy efficiency and healthcare. I mean, uh, you know, one company I find quite interesting is a, a company called Span. Uh, they develop what's referred to as a smart electrical panel. Um, so this is a, you know, the gray circuit breaker box that's in your, your garage or your, your attic um, that's been pretty much the same for a very, very long time. Um, and they are revolutionizing that industry by bringing smart, uh, smart electrical panels to, to the market. They're based off ARM processors, um, but the way they work is they recognize the different signals, uh, electrical signals of different appliances in your home. So, you know, the classic situation where you're trying to remember if you left your, your curling iron or your, your, the, the clothes iron on. Um, it can it allows you to be able to check and to turn off the circuits in that room and in future versions they'll even bring that down to the individual appliances so and you can you can extrapolate the value of this smart capabilities in the panel you know if you've got a, a home that has a, a some sort of battery storage which is becoming more common uh, if you've got solar panels or if you've got like an ev vehicle electronic vehicle um the the insights and efficiency it can bring uh to the panel and, and to the user is incredible. Uh, mostly in many cases using AI. So that's going to be huge. 
Um, that's just one example. And, and as I said, you know, the, the company referred to Archelic, you know, refrigerators, uh, industrial pumps. There's some massive pr predictions in terms of uh, electricity we can save on the planet. But I mean, personally, healthcare is a big one for me. Uh, I see it happening at device levels. Um, you know, being able to to make sense of the huge amount of medical data we got and build better predictions and and, and health outcomes for people. You know, the environment's another big one. Energy conservation uh, and and making the environment a better place. One company that stands out recently I was reading about was a company called Telesense out of UC Berkeley, uh, and they've got a. I think it's a Nordic semiconductor-based ARM chip that has it's a pin-shaped sensor that, that detects CO2, moisture, and, and and other different parameters around grain silos, and they use it to manage the storage and shipments of grain silos. I I, I don't know if you know, but there's something like 35% of grain is wasted every year, and so there's a huge amount of efficiency to be made there. And again, AI is an ideal tool for being able to approach that from multiple directions. And they're working with a some large companies like Cargill and uh, Archer Daniels Midland uh, who are, are taking this out to scale. Um, and it's really exciting to see this kind of, these applications in food and agriculture because you know, the, the regulatory barriers for uh, an area like that are much lower than they are for something like healthcare and you can get to the, the benefits much faster. And you know, I, I don't know, like I said, you can go on every axis. Maybe you know, public safety is a good example. Um, you know, California wildfires are taking off, uh, are becoming more and more regular. Lots of places they are, unfortunately. And there's a couple of companies we work with, uh, a company called Edge Impulse. They ha have a sensor that uses uh, AI in the, the sensor itself to detect fires early. Uh, another company called Pano AI that uses a camera to do similar, um, you know, helping the, everyone be able to identify fires earlier and, and react to them quicker. So, so yeah, almost every industry is getting impacted by AI. It's, it's quite incredible. I think the benefits are, are just starting to be realized still. So Dennis, that broad range of benefits reminds me of something uh, tech futurist Matt Griffin, another friend of the show, has said, uh, and that's about seeing global innovation accelerated by AI and ML. How do you view an increasingly autonomous computing world and what might the consequences be? <laughs> that's a very interesting question. Um, so it's useful to start off by saying, right, what do we mean by autonomous? And a lot of AI is about autonomy. Uh, it's used for predictions, but it's, you know, from a device perspective, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of autonomy happening. And I tend to think that most devices will have some degree of autonomy, but we're not talking about robot butlers and flying cars and things like that. What we're talking about is devices that can make some rudimentary decisions. You know, the, the, the quintessential example is, is there a cat or not in this photograph? Um, uh, but you know that's a, that's a metaphor for many different types of, of analysis you can use with AI, um, and so I think AI is going to revolutionize you know almost every industry. It, again, it's not going to be robot butlers and flying cars, but um, you know it's going to improve every industry one way or another. And and I don't know where the end of that will be. Um, you know, if you look at our world in many ways, it's 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 generating more and more sensor uh, sensor information, more and more data. AI makes sense of that, and it brings value out of that. Um, again, you know, I mentioned medicine. Uh, I'm really excited about what we can achieve there uh, in the future. Uh, conservation and power saving, agriculture. These are just some examples. As I said, you can go into almost every every industry, uh, and it can be improved with AI. You know, if we look at autonomous devices, I think one of the biggest things that that I see is what I call autonomous is the revolution in the UI. You know, touchscreens were kind of interesting. When touchscreens came out, they, they kind of changed. There was a massive revolution in the, 
the, the UI space. Uh, and we look nowadays, you know, touchscreens are ubiquitous. They're literally everywhere, industrial, commercial, um, you know, your cars, your homes, uh, they've gone everywhere. I think you know, that was a huge revelation in terms of devices. AI is going to bring the next big revolution in UI, which is the devices are going to learn to interact with us. You see this in their, their vision capabilities and their language capabilities. You know, when you uh, talk to automated assistants on the phone, you know, you're seeing this already. And the interesting thing about this is this isn't us learning about a new UI. This is the UI learning about us. And I think we're going to see this across, you know, more and more sectors, industrial, medical, in, into our homes, vehicles. Uh, I think it's quite exciting uh, what we're going to be able to see. So I think the functionality, again, it's almost endless. Uh, I think the benefits are going to be huge. And it's going to, you know, this is going to be an era where people look back on in time as being a, a massive revolution across many different aspects of, of technology. Fantastic. Thank you, Dennis. You've outlined the vast potential of AI and ML, although I'm a little disappointed by the lack of robot butlers and flying cars. I am excited about where artificial intelligence and machine learning will take us. And I'm sure our listeners have a much better idea of how their lives will be impacted. Thanks to everyone for listening today. We hope you enjoyed it and look forward to joining you again soon on the next episode of Arm Viewpoints. Mm -hmm.